welcome to the Lifting Lindsay podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about body fat set points. Have, have you guys ever heard of this before? I'm sure most of you have. I'm sure most of you have heard, uh, I, maybe it's not phrased this exact way, your set point, your body fat set point, but most people kind of feel like there is a place where their body just likes to settle at as far as body fat goes, as far as maybe weight goes. They just kind of feel like, oh no, that's that's where my body likes to settle. So today we're going to be talking about, is this really a real thing? What is this? Where did this idea come from? And I do want to just say, I think sometimes the confusion with this is this discussion is the fact that people aren't really understanding what body set points are. And so sometimes we can just kind of use it as an excuse for not living the life that we want to. And so I just want to invite you to have some honest introspection during this podcast episode because we do have more control than we think. And oftentimes I'm dealing with people on different, different, from different perspectives. So maybe one person is justifying them sitting at a much higher body fat percentage than they will really thrive in as far as health, uh, feeling good about energy levels, body, um, so there's there's that there's those individuals that are they are letting themselves down they could be in a much healthier place and they're holding themselves back by saying things like well it's just my body's fat set point there's nothing i can do because I did a diet one time and after the diet, I just went right back. So there's that camp of individuals. And then there's another camp where they are trying to stay too lean. And it's like both both sides have their pros and cons. Right? I'm not going to say that they don't because if they didn't have some kind of pro, you wouldn't be staying there where you're at. So, with those that are too low in body fat and they're like, no, this is it, that I'm striving for this new set point, this is going to be it. And they are way too low and they are forcing a set point that is not healthy for them. And some of the indications of it not being healthy for them is maybe they've lost their period. Maybe they their hair is falling out. They're not sleeping very well. They don't have enough energy to even move around during the day. So like they're just obsessing their entire um, their entire self and self-worth is based off of no, but 
This is me. I'm lean. I need this in order to find some sort of validation. And that's where the pro comes in, right? So the cons are you are living below your energy levels, your sleep, your happiness. You are quick to get annoyed and it's like you're in a constant state of hangry. But do you know what? It's really hard to know you're there. But guess what? The people around you, (laughs) they know you're there (laughs) because they're like, you are just a walking hangry person, right? So it's really hard though when you're in it. I was, I just barely uh, was sitting down and talking with two different women and both of them just the most amazing individuals. Both of them had such different experiences. One of them was anorexic for a good portion of her life. And now is, I mean, this is something that will she will constantly have to be aware of and on guard of, but she's coming out. She's feeling good. I mean, she has come out before and then gone back in and now she's kind of out again. And she's like, ah, oh, every time I'm out, I see things, how they really were. Why can't I always see that way? but it's so hard when you're in it. I was interviewing somebody one time who said, the label is really hard to read on the inside. When you are in it, man, it's so hard to see things how they really are. thought that was very interesting. The other woman had the opposite effect. She had been using food to the point where she had to find um, external help. She had it was it's a, a food addiction uh, group that she's going to, and they have utilized a lot of the alcohol anonymous to be able to help these women come out of it. And she was seeing how she was abusing food, and she said, "You know, when you're out of it, it's fascinating because now, like, I can finally connect with people on different on deeper levels." That was so fascinating. I I've I have people close to me who th- these are all addictive patterns. And where does the what is addiction? It's self-preservation of some sort. It's whether it's it's a go-to for I need to feel good, I need to feel validated. I, I it's it is a self-preservation of sorts. And sometimes, I mean, not sometimes, most of the time addiction is, it is a self-betrayal because we don't want to face the feelings that we're dealing with. And so we need to cover them up somehow, avoid them somehow. And I have somebody in my life very close to me who is working through addiction and it's fascinating how this individual as he is shedding this addiction, is now actually able to be more present, to connect better. And it's so funny how emotional he gets about things like sitting in church and he's crying. And <laughs> okay, it's Alex. I, 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 we've already talked about him and, and his addiction. And I, I, I've, I've expressed that on an, another one. But 
but it is fascinating now how we'll be watching a movie. And it used to be me during commercials, like getting choked up, right? And now he's he's finally, as he's shed this addiction, he's able to face emotions and be open to them and feelings and not run away. And now he's able to connect better with people and to feel things so much better. And it was so fascinating talking to this other woman who was going through a completely different addiction uh, recovery process, but she is now, like I said, in this food uh, addiction group. And she told me, she's like, I, I'm feeling things again. I did not realize how I was using food to escape all feelings. And um, it it was so beautiful as she's sitting there expressing it. And I'm like, I, I really want you on my podcast because this story needs to come from you. Like it's so beautiful when it comes from the person who has been inside and could not read the label, right? And so it is really, really amazing to watch and to hear her story. But anyway, my point being, I am speaking now to these two camps, people who are using set points as a way of avoiding responsibility and the change that they want to see in their life. And the other side of the spectrum, people who are almost wanting to force an unhealthy set point and say, no, I... I can force this. Uh, I don't have my period anymore. I'm exhausted during my workouts. But but once again, they're oblivious to this being a problem until they're out. That's the problem. So if that's you, if you are checkmarking all of these boxes, like that's that's you. Like get out, get out of this. Let's find health and let's thrive. Let's thrive. Like that is the goal of my, I feel like my coaching over the years has transformed. It used to be about, you know, getting people fat loss. And, and yes, I do want to help people with their goals. But, but more than not, I just want to see people thrive in their skin and in their mind. Like that is what I want. I want to see ultimate health and it is body and mind because they both work together so much, right? So let's get, let's now after that really long-winded intro. Yes, that was just the intro guys. I'm so sorry. (laughs) You're like, why do I listen to this woman? She's crazy. So long-winded. Can we make this shorter? You're like, how can I speed this up? Two, three, four X, please. Anyway, I I just want to make sure that I'm reaching those people that I really need to reach and the wake-up call that those people need. Okay, so let's talk about this. Body fat set point, is it a real thing? So in the 1950s, we had the first model of this kind of developed and where they felt like, okay, there is, there really is a certain level of body fat that your body just loves to sit at. 
So if you gain weight, they felt like there's certain changes. Something is triggered in the body that will be this physiological response to make you then maybe change some eating patterns or whatever to then lose weight. Or if you lose too much weight, the same physiological response will happen except for to have you gain it back. So we're seeing this constant back and forth of really we just have this set point. And for many years, they didn't understand like what is this this mechanism in the body that is creating the set point. They didn't know, but they just felt like this is what we're seeing. Now, keep in mind, this is in the 1950s. Okay, so I pulled up some numbers for y'all. In the 1950s, obesity was extremely rare. We're talking about 10% of the population in the United States. Okay, 10%. They had a lot of theories. They had this model of a body fat set point. There's one set point. So is this true though? Is this reality? Well, you know, 40, 50 years later, they discover leptin and they think, oh man, this is it. Guys, this is the mechanism that we were thinking keeps the body in a certain body fat percentage. So how leptin works, this is a hormone in the body. And how it works is the more body fat, the more fat tissue you have, the more leptin is released and is circulating through the body. The less uh, body fat you have, the lower, um, the less leptin then is circulating. And leptin is really going to influence your appetite. So so here was the idea, right? And and they're think they're thinking, okay, so if you if you gain weight, there's a little bit more body fat, then more leptin is secreted, it is released and it's circulating through the body. You're going to be less hungry, so you're going to eat less and it's going to bring you back to that that set point. Or if you drop body fat, then there's less leptin circulating. You're going to be hungrier. You're going to eat more, which will then bring it back up. I mean, this, is sound, this sounds pretty good so far, right? This sounds like, okay, this is legitimate. But then we kind of had something happen and that was the obesity epidemic. And then all of a sudden that kind of was like, oh, uh, this isn't necessarily what we thought. As time went on, they they really just realized that leptin is mainly defending against too much weight loss, not necessarily increases in body fat. And and I'm gonna take just a side note. This is a complicated subject. In fact, obesity in general is it's complex. And I don't think that we're helping a lot of people when we just say, well, fat loss is easy. Just move more and eat less. Well, 
People aren't stupid. Like we know these things, but how, how do I create this new self? How do I, in the midst of this environment, how do I just change everything? And so this is very complex. And also we have to realize that the degree that appetite even and and leptin is influencing individuals varies. Some people have more or less hunger signals or or general appetite. And then that can be independent of their environment or their um, activity levels too. So there's a lot of complexity. There's there we're finding the more we're seeing um children now becoming obese. I had numbers here. It used to be 5% and now it's nearly 20 just in 60 years. And we're seeing that in children, the environment can and genetics plays a part in this. And we can't ignore it. But we also don't want to be utilizing it as a reason why anybody out there can't become their healthiest, happiest self. So you may have certain genetic components that are going to make things a little bit more difficult, Um, but it's not going to stop you. But it has been very interesting to see like children, like babies, um, the, the effects that obese mothers then were seeing on uh, children and the effects of it's, it's anyways, I, that's, that's a whole other ball game that I could go into that I'm, I need to stay on this track because I've already rambled too much, but it's interesting because at one point scientists and research thought, well, maybe obese individuals just have lower leptin. Maybe there's a point where the leptin lowers and that's why they keep eating, eating, eating but they're finding that that's actually not true. They do see that in rodents. They don't see that in humans, which is another reason why when we're quoting research, it is important to understand that there is a huge difference between rats and humans. And so sometimes when people quote like rat research, like it's the end all, I'm like, okay, but yeah, so they're not human. (laughs) It's That's interesting. (laughs) That's cool. There are some things that we share but there's some things that we don't. So I thought that was very interesting that as the obesity epidemic hit, they're like, oh, well, those individuals that are leaning more towards becoming obese, they just must have this thing where they have lower leptin. That's why they keep eating. It's like, nope, nope, they still actually have higher. So it seems like what we're finding is that leptin guards more against too little body fat than too much. So leptin is not this mechanism that's keeping us in one spot. With all that being said, there are many different models and theories. And it seems like this model where there's one set point that you're just going to be bouncing around around five pounds and that's it. That's, that's actually not the case. 
And we've been seeing that a ton, especially in the past 60 years. So there is another theory that I feel like has, it's a little bit more nuanced and I feel like it captures it pretty well. And that's called the dual intervention model or dual intervention fat settling point model. Um, where this model is saying we actually have two points. We have one way up here and we have one down here. So we have these two separate points and maybe it's the body guarding us from too high of body fat. Like there will be a ceiling that it hits before these physiological factors come in that try to then keep you lower And then we also have a lower one where if people set down there or try to push too low down there, then we're seeing these physiological changes of like, nope, 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 we can't stay down there. That's not working. That's not healthy. And I feel like a great example of that is when we see uh, women, well, and men, who do bodybuilding shows and they get to crazy low body fat percentages and the body is just fighting them at that point. It's just like their periods have stopped. They just don't have very much energy. Uh, They can experience a lot of brain fog. And so a lot of times these people are glorified, which what they do is really cool. It is really cool. It's an extreme sport. You can push yourself to that level. And the wise ones of them know I get out of it. In fact, I was talking to a girl at the gym the other day and I was like, you are leaning down a ton. You must be a competitor because I've seen this a few times from you. And she goes, yep, that's my world. I just go really lean. And then I go back up and then I get really lean and I go back up. And she seemed like she had such a good head on her shoulders because it was just like a full on embrace myself at every stage of this. And a lot of other competitors don't. And mentally, they are not prepared for those different stages. But anyway, so there, there, there are these two set points where there's a point where, uh, and I think that competitors go below the set point because it's once again, an extreme sport. But uh, you'll get to a point where maybe you get really low in body fat and you're just not thriving there. And there are these physiological responses that are going to go off saying, I I need more. I need more energy. Uh, We need more body fat. Uh, Women thrive at higher body fat percentages than men. I've spoken about this quite often where men can walk around with six packs year round and be in a healthy body fat percentage where most women cannot do that. And if we are looking at overall body fat percentage, that's what we really need to look at. Some women genetically just carry zip zero or I shouldn't say zero, but very, very low on their midsection. They can live with this cut, you know, core year round. Women are just like, oh, what are you doing? You look amazing. 
and they carry maybe a lot more on their butt or their legs and there's nothing wrong with this. These are the cards they've been handed and this is their genetics. But the problem is when somebody else who those aren't their genetics start comparing to that person and they think, oh, I can live the life that they're living. Well, you don't understand that they may be eating a lot more. They may be overall in a healthy body fat percentage. It's just genetically their body doesn't put store body fat there. It's storing it on their boobs and their butt and all the right places, you know what I'm saying? And um, their legs and stuff. And so those, it's interesting because those types of body types, uh, you know, the cream rises to the top like that. They're the ones that are showing up all over social media. They're the ones getting all of the attention because, I mean, they look amazing. And they're also, they some of them aren't, but some of them are still in healthy body fat percentages. Most women in healthy body fat percentages may not have those genetics. So maybe at the body fat percentage that one woman thrives, she's not going to be seeing the muscle definition or she would have to grow larger muscles to be able to see it um, with a little bit higher body fat percentage or she's not going to see the same amount of um, you know, cut in her stomach. So this is where I kind of wanted to start talking about how does this apply apply to you. So we understand that there's not just one set uh, body fat point, that it's more of like there's an upper end and there's a lower end. And the question is, where do you sit right now? Maybe right now you are sitting closer to the upper end and you want to sit closer to the lower end. And that is possible. You can. But what they have found, most scientists are agreeing on this, is that what they found now is the environment is actually what determines whether you're sitting on the upper end of this, you know, two point set point. They call them intervention. So the the upper intervention or the lower intervention, where are you sitting on that? Well, that depends on your environment. Um, and also just keep in mind that if we were to say that this is a, a, like if we were to talk about this in regards to body fat, body fat percentage, um, the lower end for one woman might be, you know, 20%. The lower end for another woman might be 16% or 17 or something like that much lower. So your job is to find where your body settles with the environment that you can establish and enjoy the most, okay? Because let's say you set up an environment to sit at that lower set point, so you're living leaner year round and you're still healthy for you, 
but maybe it is going to require an element of restriction or an element of strictness that you don't personally want to give, right? So environment comes down to a few things. When we are looking at changing this set point, the environment is what we can change. And it comes down to a few things. It comes down to the foods that you're eating habitually. So if you want to create a better environment for yourself, then finding high protein meals that you genuinely love is going to be key. Absolutely key. And there are so, I mean, seriously, just go to Pinterest and type in macro-friendly meals, macro-friendly dinners. And there are amazing, yummy meals out there. You don't have to think that you just need to chew on dried chicken and broccoli. Get that out of your mind. But you do need to establish an environment where there's a lot more protein and whole foods. But that doesn't mean that there's not cookies. Heaven knows right before I recorded this, I literally ate three Oreos. So that can definitely be part of your overall healthy lifestyle. But it can't be all Oreos with a side of chicken because I feel like that's what most people are doing. It's like all crappy food. But I have one salad a day or a side of protein a day. I'm like, yeah, so that's not going to cut it. But you've got to establish those high protein meals that you genuinely enjoy. Movement that you genuinely enjoy. Um, I will, I'm a huge proponent of lifting weights because increasing muscle will allow you to eat a little bit more and it will allow you to store those carbs somewhere, right? Because muscle loves its carbs. So those with higher amounts of muscle can actually increase their carb intake. And it's not going to be translating to body fat. It's going to be stored a lot in their muscles because they're lift, lifting weights, they're using your, their muscles and they're building muscle. I'm also a huge proponent of lifting weights because those that are going through menopause or are approaching it, um, the reason why they have a lot of hormonal issues um, and body uh, composition changes for the negative is because they are losing muscle and it's being replaced with body fat. And because of a lot of these hormonal changes, including some uh, dietary changes, because once again, the hormones that are regulating appetite and all of those things are being changed a little bit throughout this whole process. And so uh, lifting weights is going to be a huge key for women of all ages to be able to move and feel their best starting from 20 all the way up to 70. It really is the fountain of youth. 
And so I'm a huge proponent of lifting weights. Another thing too, so you need to, like, you want to become active. And and I need to pause right now and just share. I know I've shared this many times, but there are a lot of studies showing that people who lose weight typically gain it back within one to five years. And they have done studies saying, okay, let's look at those that, that didn't gain it back. What was the main difference? The main difference was a change of identity. They didn't just, I'm going to do this for three months. They were like, no, this is who I am. I am someone who loves movement. I'm someone who loves strength. I And they're going to the gym, not just to lose weight, but I'm going to push myself. I'm going to challenge myself. So this is helping their identity. Every day they go to the gym isn't to seek out weight loss, but it's actually reinforcing the identity that they've accepted that I am a strong person and I'm going to test my strength today. It's another reason why I love weightlifting and not just like, there's nothing wrong with body pump if somebody enjoys doing that, but I really want women to get in and test their strength because that allows them to just have a goal outside of body composition that I'm just going to show up for me today and I'm going to prove to myself that I can be a stronger version of myself today than I was yesterday or last week when I showed up. So I love that because I feel like weightlifting reinforces this new identity of I'm fit, I'm strong, I'm active, I move. I'm not looking to be the smallest version of me. I'm looking to be the strongest. I don't want to walk into a room as a woman and feel like I need to shrink and just be tiny. I'm going to walk in and I'm going to have a presence. What? Don't you just love that? I love that. I want to be the woman who walks and I'm like, man, I have a presence. I know who I am. I'm walking in with my head high, my shoulders back. I am strong. And I'm not strong for other people. I'm strong because I show up for myself every single day and I reinforce that identity. I'm going to go on another tangent here, but this is another reason why I love weightlifting for women. Because I watch women go into the gym almost like a little mouse. I was that woman too. Like, don't look at me. I'm not going to take up space. I'm not going to get in anybody's way. I'm just going to go over here. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to apologize if I'm even like slightly like, oh, do you want this machine? I still have three sets, but here you take it, right? <laughs> like I, I, okay, I wasn't like that bad, but, but I do see that. I see women walking into the gym. Like I feel so out of place here. I don't belong here. I felt that way big time. I'm just going to go in my little corner and nobody look. I'm just going to do my thing. I'm going to do it and then I'm going to walk out. And one of the things that I love about women gaining confidence through going to the gym, through showing up every single day for themselves, is that all of a sudden they realize, I have worth too. Like I can... Me showing up into a room and standing in my strength, one doesn't diminish anybody else, but two, I'm, I can. I can show up and take space 
because I'm worth it. Right? It's it's an amazing thing to watch somebody's confidence just blossom. And I've seen it through lifting weights, but it is this creating a new identity. And so I'm going to re kind of with that in mind, this creating a new identity. Like when you go into eating food, you take that identity with you. It's like, I'm not a person who's 95% fun foods and 5% like protein shake. No, I'm a person who I, I love protein. Start telling yourself that. I love protein. I love eating this way. I love finding meals that genuinely taste good and have tons of protein because I know I'm showing up for myself. It is a way to show up for myself because I matter. Um, movement is a way for you to show up for yourself, whether it's just going for walks. I, man, I love walking. I love it. I think sleeping, getting enough sleep, getting enough walking, lifting weights, these three things I just love so much. (laughs) So anyways, I will just keep hammering this dead horse because I love them so much. Anyways, another thing about changing your identity, changing the people you surround yourself with. Look, I get it. There are some people who you can't, you can't choose a new family. You can't completely, you know, walk away from every single person in your life, but you need to surround yourself more with the people you want to be. This is, I've had people ask me, why do you read so many books? Why do you listen to all of these podcasts that actually have nothing to do with fitness? I mean, I'm on this like stoic kick right now where I'm studying stoicism and I love it. And I love these people that I've found, these books that I found, these uh, authors. And and I, I want to listen to these books all the time. I want to read them all the time. I'm a huge fan of Audible. When I am driving, I'm listening. When I'm cleaning my house, I'm listening. I'm surrounding myself that way with people that I want to be like. I find an attribute in somebody, a character that I'm just like, oh, I need that. I need it. So I am just going to listen to every single book that they've ever written now. <laughs> and, and, and they're going to rub off on me. And I'm going to rise up and be a little bit better of a person. And so I love that. You need to surround yourself with people who have your same goals. And if the people around you don't, then you find your people. There are so many great ways on social media to connect with people who have the same goals as you. Um, Listening to podcasts like this can be one of those ways that this is you surrounding yourself with somebody who has the same goals. And I want to push you. I want to challenge you. I want you to be better than you were yesterday and the day before. And I want to be better too. But guess what? We're going to fall. We're going to come short. And that's okay too. We're going to be in it together because we're all floundering out, trying to figure out this life together. We're not perfect. But we're in it together and we have excitement. We challenge each other, but we also have grace when we fall short. 
when we fall short, because we all will. Change your identity. That is how you change your environment. So just going back, tying this up in a, in a nice little bow, if I can, <laughs> a conclusion. Is there one set point that no matter what, your body just goes back to it? No, there's not. Now it does appear like we have a higher intervention points. And I like that word intervention because it means that as you start pushing towards that ceiling, that higher end uh, of body fat, that the intervention, your body is going to start changing some things physiologically, responding as an intervention to keep you down. Now, people can ignore that. We've seen it. But we do have these these higher interventions and we have these lower interventions. So your goal is to find the sweet spot for you. So if you have been living in this higher end of the higher intervention, can you start living more towards the mid than maybe more towards the, the lower? Yes. And the answer is through changing your environment. How do we change our environment? We change our identity. The stories you tell yourself about who you are are right. I mean, they're probably wrong, but you know what I'm saying by that. That whole, was it Ford who said, whether you can or can't, you're right. And it's the same thing. You get to decide who you are. You get to decide the life that you want and the stories that you tell yourself in your head are going to determine so much of that. Um, And we all have negative stories that we need to train ourselves to quickly spot and turn around. Um, So I am trying to start a YouTube channel. I've been doing podcasting for a while. I've been doing Instagram for a while. I don't have a problem hitting record and just talking on social media or podcasting. But can I tell you the first podcast I ever did, my brain instantly went negative, 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 negative. I had to stop it. I had to retell myself a story of a story of hope, a story of like, you're not going to fall flat on your face. People like if your goal is to serve others and help them, then just showing up, you can do that. And so I had to really walk myself through that because I just felt all these negative feelings coming of even like, I don't know enough. I don't know enough to to, to do a podcast. Nobody's going to want to listen to me. All of these negative things. And I actually had to really, I'm a... a, a Christian, I'm a believer. I love my Jesus, and um, I really firmly believe in co-creating with my God. And I had to actually get on my hands and knees and be like, "I need your help. I don't know what's going on right now, but I'm just so overwhelmed with these negative self-talk and stories that I'm telling myself. And I really had to pray and I had to just act. I had, and that was the thought that came to me is Lindsay, just do, just do. You're holding yourself back. I have had this same exact experience on Monday when I sat down to record for my YouTube and I had the same exact feelings. 
And the same feeling came to me, just do, just act. And so I'm going to end this podcast with that uh, invitation for each one of you. Stop the stories that you're telling yourself. Stop these negative stories. Rewrite your own story from here going forward and just do, just act, do something. Do one little thing to step you in the right direction of creating that new identity, that person that you really, really, truly want to be. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Lifting Lindsay podcast. I hope that this has been helpful. Please let me know if you have any questions. You can message me at Lifting Lindsay on Instagram. You can also go to liftinglindsay.com to join my app. We have a community page on Facebook where we try to come together and help each other out. I'm always doing lives on there. I'm answering questions every day. I am doing form reviews. So you can even upload videos of you doing exercises and being like, and and ask for my opinion or how we can um, learn together and and how uh, you can improve a certain movement that you're struggling with. I'm really uh, focusing a lot on being there for my app users primarily. So you can join the app, liftinglindsay.com. You'll also... uh, get access to all of my optimized training plans. But you guys have a wonderful week. I will talk to you later. 